Hey guys, it's Bianca, and you're listening to BS with Bianca Siobhan, a weekly podcast where I discuss the highs and lows of being a wife, mom, and everything in between. So if you're ready, let's do this. Oh my gosh. So, hey you guys, and welcome back to another episode of BS with Bianca Siobhan. I'm super hyped about today's episode because I am sharing my birth story with my son, Cairo. Um, If you didn't listen to last week's episode, it was my birth story that I shared with my um, oldest son, Zion, who's now three. But Cairo, as of right now, is five weeks old. So the story is definitely still fresh in my mind, and it is still something that I feel... Um, I can talk about and, 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 and tell you like what I, how I feel about it. I'm sorry. I take a lot of pauses. <laughs> I have to catch my thought process of the next word I'm going to say so that I don't go on and ramble. So let's jump right into the episode because what else, what else are we here for? So like I said, as of today, Cairo is five weeks old. His birthday is April 5th and he was born this year. So um, to start off with, if you listen to my birth story for Zion, I talked about a lot about my OBGYN and how I felt like she didn't really do what was necessary for me and didn't really help me in any way. So I found a new OBGYN um, for this pregnancy, and I actually went to two OBGYNs before I settled on the one, the office that I did settle on. So um, my OBGYN was actually not a doctor. She was a a certified nurse midwife, and she was super nice. So she was very informative. She was very understanding of my last experience. And she was um, like a team player. She was in my corner. She was like my cheerleader for practically you. If this is what you want to do, these are the steps that you want to do it in. So my plan was to have a VBAC, which is just means a vaginal birth after C-section. So I wanted to have Cairo vaginally. And that was my plan from the jump up until about, oh, my, my Cairo's actually sit, sitting in front of me. So if you hear baby sneezes, but my plan up until about 34 weeks, 35 weeks was to have Cairo vaginally. And, um, uh, my nurse midwife was all for it. She was really nice about it. She was giving me all the statistics for it. They have a, they have like, um, at your office, at your doctor's offices, if you've had a C-section before or just want to know your odds of going into labor naturally and having your baby vaginally, they put like your weight and your health history in like a chart. And then they tell you the percentage of you having your baby naturally, what that would be. So mine was like 62%. I'm about 5'10". And at the time I was like 200 pounds because I was pregnant. So that was a big um point in like my wanting to have a baby vaginally it was like a 60 per, 62% chance that i could have a successful vaginal birth and she was like hey that is higher than 
50%. And you never know. You never know. So I appreciated that. Even though like that number seems so discouraging, she was like 62% is higher than halfway there. So you can do it. So I went to my appointments normally. Everything was normal. I felt okay, just like within my first pregnancy. But then I got to 35 weeks and that's when they started checking my cervix to see if I was dilated. And between like 35 weeks and 37 weeks, I was not dilated at all. I was not effaced or whatever. And with Zion, I was not at all either. I think I was like one centimeter dilated up until like I got to the hospital. But with Cairo, I was not dilated at all. And I was not effaced. So at about 37 weeks, she came in and was like, are you still, you know, on the train of delivering vaginally? And I said, yes. And, and I, and I asked like how long I can go. And she said, um, well, we don't want women who have had C-sections before to go past 41 weeks. And 41 weeks would have been April 12th. And that means I would have been pregnant on my birthday, which is April 9th, which is totally fine. But the fact that I had the option to say, do I want to go to April 12th and then still not go into labor naturally and have to end up with a C-section because I'm not being induced. The Foley bulb induction resulted in a C-section anyway. So why would I go through that trouble of, um, why would I go through the trouble of being induced again and it not work? that I could just go to a C-section straight away. So at 37 weeks, I signed a paper for all the risks of um, all the risks that you face when you have a baby VBAC, like I said, which is vaginally, vaginal after C-section. And I actually texted the paper to my mom and I was like, this is the paper I just signed that said that I am willing to take all these risks to have my baby naturally. So I'm going to, if I can find it, there was like um, ruptures and tears. I know death was a possibility, blood loss. Um, There was a lot of them. And I don't know if I was prepared, knowing the fact that I had a very traumatic birth experience with Zion. I don't know if I was really <clears throat> prepared to sign a paper that said I'm okay with dying if I have a uterine rupture. I don't think I was like prepared to sign a paper that said that um, there, if I have this baby vaginally, there's like a 40% chance that it won't be successful. Like when you talk about it throughout your pregnancy with your OBGYN or your nurse practitioner, whoever you're talking to, they are your cheerleader. They're your advocates and they're, and they're cheering you on along the way. But there's just something about signing a paper that said I could have a uterine rupture and bleed out on the table and die with two kids or that my baby might die because of this selfish decision of me not wanting to have a C-section. Not because of the scar or anything. It's just because mentally, I had this horrible C-section with Zion. Mentally, I, I wasn't prepared. So at 37 weeks, I signed this paper. But I changed my mind. I changed my mind. Like I said, if I knew that I could 
I could go in and have my baby via C-section and hopefully it'd be safe and he'd be safe. And as long as he'd be safe, I'd be fine. If something was to happen to me, I'd be fine because he would be safe. Right. So that's what I was thinking. So at 37 weeks, I, I decided to have a C-section at 40 weeks exactly, which was my due date, April 5th. And I decided to do that April 5th because like I said, my birthday is April 9th. And if my due date was April 5th, I'd be, I'm 40 weeks exactly. I started to experience a lot of pain um, during my pregnancy. So why not just do it on my due date? So since I had the choice, I was like, well, fuck it. I can eat sushi on my birthday and have him April 5th, which was my due date. And for a little bit, I felt bad about it, but I had a lot of reassurance that it was okay from my husband and my family members around me. So I scheduled my C-section. It was at 1030 in the morning on Monday, April 5th. And before I knew it, it was Monday, April 5th. And we went in and I had breakfast. Before we went, I actually had Chick-fil-A breakfast. Um, a lot throughout my pregnancy with Cairo, I craved high C fruit punch. So Chick-fil-A sells high C fruit punch. And I went in and I had my breakfast. And I actually had like a yogurt as well when I woke up. Because of course I couldn't sleep. So I woke up at like at seven and had a yogurt. And then about nine, we had Chick-fil-A breakfast. And as soon as I got there, I was actually late. I got there about 11 o'clock. And as soon as I got there, they did like, they registered me in, got me in, got me hooked up. And one of the first questions they asked me was, what time did you eat? Have you ate in the last six hours? And I was like, yeah, I ate breakfast. And by this time it was like 12. And they're like, well, what time did you eat? And I said about like nine. I said I ate like a yogurt at seven and then I had breakfast between like nine and 10. And they were like, um, it should be okay since like 12 o'clock now, but we're going to talk to the anesthesiologist because um, if something goes wrong and you aspirate, you could die because there's food in your stomach, blah, blah, blah. So the anesthesiologist came in and told me that they were pushing my surgery back. Um, till about three, which would be exactly six hours from the time that I ate, just to be safe, just to make sure that I don't aspirate, things like that. And when you have a scheduled C-section like that, and the doctor knows that they have scheduled C-sections, it could be a little bit longer. And they told me that. They said, your C-section was scheduled for 10.30. Was it, it was scheduled for 12.30, sorry, but it has to be there for 10.30. And, um, the doctor had two other C-sections scheduled. So we're really just playing chess here. So I was like, oh, okay. So the doctor came in at about three, my doctor who was doing the C-section. So um, the nurse practitioner does not perform C-sections, does not perform surgeries. So I had met with another doctor when I decided to schedule my C-section. And that's who I had seen the last four weeks of my appointment. And she was really nice and really sweet and really attentive to my feelings and what I wanted. So she had came in, introduced herself to my husband because of course with COVID, um, he didn't come to any of my appointments where he had, could have met her. 
and said, um, I actually have another C-section, like an emergency kind of emergency section that I have to do. So we're going to have to push it back. I don't know how long. So we were just there. I was just there. Um, three, three thirty past four. They came in and was checking on me and nothing, nothing was going down. So about four fifty, I want to say they came in and was like, all right, are you ready? Cause everybody's ready for you. And I went in and I went in for my C-section and I was prepped by myself without my husband. They did the um, epidural. I was completely numb. She she made sure to ask me because I told her about my first experience. I had heard the labor and delivery nurse about my first experience. So she made me make sure that I was numb completely and I didn't feel anything. And they sat me down um, on the table, laid me back, and I immediately started crying. Um, I was so nervous, you guys. I remember I was, this was just a month ago. So I remember being so nervous. I remember not knowing what was going to happen. I remember being, I just, I was like emotionally shot. I was fine throughout the day. I was fine throughout the time where it was time for me to schedule the C-section. I was fine up until I got, I was literally laid out on the table. I was okay. They put me back. The nurse was started to ask me if I was okay. And I wasn't, I wasn't okay. She seen that I wasn't okay. And she immediately called uh, my husband in the room. He was a little bit, it was a little bit before the time he was supposed to come in, but it was okay because they seen that I was not okay. I was like crying. I wasn't like hysterically crying, like waterworks, like loud. My eyes were just full of tears and I couldn't talk. So they came in he calmed me down. And everything was cool. So the C-section was a completely different experience. I didn't feel a single thing. I didn't feel too much pressure. So C-sections can be, if you listen to my first podcast and you're having a C-section, I don't want to traumatize you in any way. This last C-section, um, it was great. It was un, It was not painful at all. The only time it was painful is they took a, they put a, a vacuum kind of tube in you. I don't know what they were doing, but they said, we're going to insert a vacuum tube to blah, blah, blah. But by that time, my baby had already been born and I was like soaking up all that. that. So that, that was the only time it was like pressure for like maybe a minute and then it was gone, but I didn't feel a thing. And at And at 537, baby Cairo was born into this world with all his glory. He weighed, (laughs) him and Zion were the exact same, eight pounds, one ounce, 21 inches long. And it was a miracle. And it's just crazy because Zion was a week late and weighed the same thing. Cairo was exactly on his due date and weighed the exact same thing as Zion. So it was bliss. It was amazing. It was easy peasy lemon squeezy i was texting i was on facetime with my mom while they were sewing me up everything was cool and i was okay and then i went to recovery and i started to get like lightheaded but like i was fine like i had just went through this uh, this emergent like not emergent this crazy surgery they just pulled a baby out of me And I feel like people really underestimate 
what a C-section is. Like it is a surgery. They are removing something from you. They're removing your organs. They're not removing their organs. They're moving around your organs, whatever organs are down there. Like I feel like so many people underestimate what a C-section is. And it's not, it's, it's a surgery, you guys. It is a major life or death surgery that I've experienced twice that I can, I can literally say that I did not know if I was going to make it out the hospital each time because of how, how, how my surgeries went. So I went into recovery and I was okay for like 20 minutes and I was holding my baby. I had FaceTime with my dad and my brother and told them that I was okay. And then I remember the nurse walking past me saying, Bianca, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm dizzy. I'm dizzy. I'm, I'm dizzy. There's four of you. And before I knew it, I couldn't talk anymore. I couldn't respond. I was trying to, my body wanted to, my body, when they were asking me if I was okay, I was saying in my head, I'm okay. But the words, I couldn't physically open my mouth. It, I don't remember. I remember closing my eyes and when I, them try, I remember them saying my name. I remember not being able to open my eyes. I remember them wanting me to, to push on their hands and I couldn't. I remember them asking me my name, asking me why I was there, asking me questions and I could barely get it out. And they had lifted me up. They had put my seat up. I mean, they had put my the back of the bed up and they had kind of like lifted me up to see like if I had any strength. And I remember once again, just them asking me why I was at the hospital. And just thinking about it right now, literally I started crying because I couldn't respond. But I knew why I was at this hospital and I knew that my husband was holding this our old baby and I knew that that's what I was there for. But as, as you don't know what's going on with your body and you don't know if you are fucking dying or if you are going to pass out and not wake up, it's like, why am I here? That is why I'm here. And I have to be here. I can't, I can't, um, not be here and I have to be here for Cairo and I have to be here for Zion and I have to be here for my husband and I had to get I had to snap out of whatever it was but I couldn't and I knew I had to and I couldn't and that was the worst it's the worst possible thing that you could ever do and I can't compare it to having some like debilitating life disease but I could imagine having cancer or having any sickness and you have kids and you have family members that you want to be there for and you need to be there for and you just want to be better and you just want to make it better for yourself and not being able to I can completely relate to so when I started to become more responsive and at least answering some of their questions, they took me in for a CAT scan. I remember falling asleep in the CAT scan, um, the CAT scan chamber and going back and then giving me some water. I threw up all of the water and I hadn't ate anything all day and I still had threw up all of the water. 
But about 20 minutes after my CAT scan, I mean, 20 minutes after I got from my CAT scan, um, I just, I started to feel better. And I don't know what my body went into some type of shock or what it was, but that two hours I was in recovery, unresponsive. And then I had to spend another two hours in recovery after my recovery time. So within that time, they ordered um, me some food up to my room um, and I just got some, I had some water, which I had threw up. And then I had had some chocolate ice cream and a chicken salad. My husband ate the chicken salad and I ate the ice cream. And by the time I had that in the recovery area of the um, hospital, but by the time I got up to the suite, I had threw up the ice cream. So I don't know what was going on with my body, but it was reco- it was definitely re- recovering from a recovery. And um, then, then on, I was okay. Um, we were in the hospital for a night. So the night that he was born, he was born at five. We had spent that night that he was born. By the time we got up to the hospital room, it was like midnight. And we had spent the night he was born in the hospital and then his 24-hour hold. Um, And then we left on Wednesday morning. So he was born on a Monday. And by Wednesday morning, we were out of there. We were in the hospital so long, where it felt like so long with Zion, that we didn't want to be in the hospital this time for so long. And plus, we had had Zion at home. So we didn't want to leave him um, for too long by himself. And he was really felt, he really, I really, my mom had had him at my house for the night. And he was just really distraught because he knew that his whole family was at the hospital and he was by himself. Well, he was with my mom, but he just felt, you could tell like when I would FaceTime him, how he just wanted to be with his mom and dad. Because I mean, it's like that, you know, you, the, the, those are your lifelines. Your parents are your lifelines. If you have have them. And when you're that young, it's like, that's what you want. So Wednesday we came home and five weeks in, other than the fact that he likes to be held 24 seven, we are doing okay. We've have adjusted. Okay. Um, my, I, I mentioned in my, uh, pregnancy video or my pregnancy video, my pregnancy podcast with Zion that I had my C scar section scar had keloided. Um, I have no keloid as of now. I don't exactly remember the moment that my C-section scar keloided with Zion, like if it was a couple months after or if it was right after it started to keloid. But I took a lot better care of myself this time because I didn't have to do as much. Like I said, with Zion, I was still in college and I was trying to graduate. So this time I had still a lot on my plate, but it wasn't college. So I was able to give myself the time to heal we're still five weeks out. My section, my C-section scars um, seems to be completely healed. All the bandages fell off. I let them fall off naturally. Um, with Zion, I took them off because they were starting to annoy me and it, they just felt gross. Um, but I let them fall off even though I felt the same way with this, this scar. I just let them fall off naturally and they did. And everything looks okay. Down there, the scar is so much smaller. So since my C-section scar did keloid, so if you have a keloided C-section scar and you're having a C-section with your next pregnancy, what my doctor did was completely remove the keloid and just had a new, I have like a brand new scar. It is a little bit bigger, but it's not that much bigger. And you actually 
don't really see it as much. The keloid was really obnoxious, but having the keloid not be there, it it doesn't feel any different. It just, but it looks better, of course, because there's not a big keloid right there. But my doctor literally just cut away the keloid and just created a new incision. And everything seems to be healed up. I actually go in next week for my six-week checkup just to make sure everything is okay. But it seems to be okay. Uh, I bled for about three weeks, though. So that was new. I didn't bleed that much with Zion. But everything is okay. I am super grateful. And I'm grateful for the experience. Um, My mom says that if I want to have more kids, I need to have them right now. Um, But I kind of like the three-year age gap. So I don't know if I'll wait. Um, I'll have a whole podcast about how my pregnancy conceiving and the troubles I had with that. But for now, we're happy. Um, I do want to have one more baby. Um, I would like ideally, of course, to have a girl. But if it's not a girl, it's fine. But I do, I th- like somebody asks you, like, when do you know when you're done? And I just don't feel like I'm done. Like, I feel like I want to have one more baby. So I definitely want to have one more baby, even though I've had these horrible experiences and hopefully third time's a charm. I mean, hopefully, hopefully third time's not a charm and hopefully I don't die, but I'm sure I won't. I I shouldn't think like that, but it's an amazing experience and it's experience that you will, you have and you'll hold and treasure no matter how crazy it was for you, for, for your, for your whole life. Like you're populating the world type of thing. Um, And I love my boys and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't trade either of the experiences for the world. They make you a lot humbler when it comes to, to different things. And they make you see things differently and view things differently and really understand your worth and what you're capable of as a woman. And nobody can take that from you. So that's it for today's podcast. I've had to stop and start four times, so I'm not going to extend it on anymore. Um, It looks like my son is starting to wake up from his morning nap, so I'm going to end it here. But I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Bianca Siobhan to keep up. I don't quite have an Instagram for this podcast specifically yet, and I don't know if I'm going to make one yet. So we'll just say keep following me. um, at Bianca Siobhan for all podcast updates and for when um, to see what podcasts are coming up. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you. I'll see you. I'll um, talk to you guys next Sunday.